Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right. See what we, see what we did there with the lend a hand? Because we got dad jokes. Okay, so week two of a message series called Christmas with Captain Hook. And what we're doing is we're taking a, a, a Christmas journey back into childlike faith. And that's what we're after childlike faith. If you were with us last week, we began our message with some verses from the Gospel of Matthew, where there are some people who want to bring their kids to Jesus to be blessed. And because this happens at a time, I always hesitate to use the word fame in this context, but it's the right word. Jesus is so well known and in such demand that wherever he goes, vast crowds are gathering to see him. People are clamoring to touch him. People are clamoring to, to have a moment of his attention. They want to talk to him. They want to, they want to touch him. They want, they just want his attention. And so the disciples, uh, given that reality, have started blocking. They've kind of, they've kind of started to, starting to run interference. Jesus never asked them to. They just took it upon themselves because they're like, you know, we've got things to do, and if we're going to get anything done, Jesus needs to have some, some time to himself, and, and, and not everybody at every moment can just have instant access to him. And it's sort of a normal reaction to the reality. But when these parents bring their kids to Jesus, the disciples try to block, and they, they kind of go, ah, I'm sorry, uh, you can't get to the rabbi right now, he's very busy, you know, this isn't the right time. They kind of just start pushing off. And as the disciples scold the parents, Jesus scolds the disciples. It says, don't do that. Let them come. Let the children come to me because, and this was really profound, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Heaven is populated by people with childlike faith, not childish, not demanding and petulant and entitled, childlike. And childlike faith is pure and simple and uncomplicated. Pure and simple and un... Has anybody besides me noticed that as life, life goes on and as time goes on, we have a way of making things more complicated than they need to be? Anybody like relate to that? Yeah. So that nowhere is that more true than in our faith. We're called, you and I are called to have faith like a child, pure and simple and uncomplicated, to believe that God is crazy about you, to believe that he loves you, to believe that when you confess your sins to him, he lifts the guilt up off of you, places it onto the shoulders of his son Jesus, and you go free of it. That's where it all begins. That's, that's salvation. That's, where it, that's not where it ends. That's where it starts. We're called to a simple, childlike faith. And our guide on that journey, of course, uh, for these next couple of weeks is Peter Pan, the boy who never grew up. In the book. In the book... Peter Pan never grew up. But in the film by Steven Spielberg, we pick up where the book leaves off. And Peter Pan has not only grown up, he's fallen in love with Grandma Wendy's granddaughter. Wendy, of course, is now an old woman. Peter's fallen in love with her granddaughter, moved to the United States, and become a lawyer. He's an attorney now, and he's in his 40s. He's returned to London because Grandma Wendy's philanthropic work was so significant in the city of London that they're naming a hospital wing after her. He and his family have come back for the ceremony and his presence in London has awoken an old enemy. And we asked last week, what enemies are waiting for you? For Peter Pan, 
It's Captain James Hook. What's waiting for you in the month of December? Because, as we observed, there is no struggle, pain, or difficulty that the Christmas season can't make worse. How old are you, son? How old are you? Eleven. I was about to tell him to go to Uptown, but he's right. He's absolutely right. I can't argue. Okay, so there is no pain or difficulty, even if you're 11, that the month of December can't make worse. So what are you struggling with? What, what enemies are waiting for you this month to make things worse? You, you struggling with an addiction? You got an alcohol problem or a drug problem? Or maybe you're addicted to food. Maybe you're addicted to social media. Maybe you're addicted to something. Confessed or unconfessed, there is no addiction that, that the month of December makes easier. It makes them all harder. If you're lonely, the month of December is way too hard. If you're estranged from your family, the month of December is way too hard. If you have anxiety, the holidays make it worse. If, you have de- if you're struggling with depression, the holidays make it worse. If you have financial issues, if you have legal issues, if you have medical issues, if, you're, if you've lost a loved one, there's nothing, and I, I think that covers just about all of us, there is nothing that we struggle with that the holidays don't make more difficult. These things are waiting for you this month. And if you don't figure out how to bring some childlike faith to the table, if you and I don't figure out how to go back, to make ourselves go back and remember who we are, those enemies are going to steal valuable things from us. For Peter Pan, it's his kids. His children have been taken. And for him to figure this out, he's going to have to remember who he is. You and I have to remember who we are. If we're going to fight our way through this Christmas season, and you're going to have to fight if you want to find some peace this month. You're going to have to fight. It isn't going to come easy. You're going to have to work at it. You must go back. You must remember who you are. And learn to process time a little differently. We process time differently as adults than we did when we were kids. Yeah? Time... Time brings us to Captain Hook's greatest fear. Now, if you're a fan of the book, you know, or maybe, like me, you're a fan of the Disney cartoon. Remember the Disney Peter Pan, anybody? Two of you? Great. Okay, so, I had a normal childhood. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with the book or the, the, the cartoon, you know, your take on it might be that Captain Hook's greatest fear is the crocodile, right? Uh, in, in the story, Peter Pan cut off Captain Hook's hand, fed it to a crocodile. The crocodile likes the taste of him so much, been chasing him around for the rest of the story. Fortuitously for Captain Hook, the crocodile has swallowed a clock, and now there's a ticking sound whenever the crocodile comes closer. And everybody gets this wrong. Captain Hook is not primarily afraid of the crocodile. He's, a, he's afraid of the clock. It's the ticking of time that unnerves him so. And we've got to figure this out because we process time differently as adults than we do as kids, do we not? Some of you can remember, you know, back in the day when Christmas just seemed like it was taking forever. 
You remember when you were a kid? You know, you're just like, oh, why is it taking so long? What is the deal? How come it can't just move a little quicker? How could, does it, does it, is, is time moving in reverse? When you're a kid, I mean, I can remember vividly sitting in my classroom in grammar school. I don't know why I remember this, but there was a clock above the blackboard. And I'm old school, so I got out of school at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Anybody else relate to that? My kids are home at like noon now. I don't know how that works, but like, because they go to school at like 4 o'clock in the morning. So like, you know, but I can remember waiting for that, that, that minute hand to click on to the, to the, to the 3 and, and just watching as time slowed down. It just felt like everything took forever. And man, the older I got, the faster it went. And some of you now are, 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 are experiencing how fast the season passes and how fast the seasons pass. We process it entirely differently. Now it's moving so quickly, we can't even quite get a grip on it. It's just whipping by. And what happens there is that it's much more difficult to find peace. It's much more difficult to slow down. The busier we get, the more time seems to pass. And it felt like that for a while. I don't know if you've have, had years like that. It felt to me like, I think beginning in college, the older I got, the busier I got. From college on, it just felt like the, every year brought me more to do, more stress, more craziness. And then I turned a corner a couple years ago. And it felt to me like I found some peace. I'm able to slow down. I'm able to just stay in my lane and, and regulate things. And I had a couple years where I did pretty good at that. And I'm just here to tell you, like, by way of a confessional, I have not done that this year. I have struggled with this hugely this year. I have been stressed and, and, and like, people have asked me, you know, recently, just, hey, how you doing? How's things? How's your, how's your life going? What's up? I'm not great. I haven't been doing great. I mean, I'm better today. This weekend, I really wrestled it down and, and did some, some soul searching. But the truth is... For a long run of days leading up to this week, I have felt, you ever get this feeling like, okay, I've got, I got 10, 15 things on my do list for today, but I only got like eight of them done because I got interrupted six times and some stuff, unexpected stuff came up. So I only got eight of them done. And so seven things got dragged onto tomorrow's do list. And now tomorrow's do list has like 20 or 30. And, and every day, no matter how hard I work or no matter how much I try to do, there just less and less gets accomplished so that I'm feeling like no, I'm swimming, but I'm just moving backwards against the current. And when that happens to me, I just want to quit and play games on my phone. Can anybody relate to that? I don't mean quit being a pastor. I just mean quit for the day and say, I'm done for the day. I'm not getting anything done anyway. Doesn't matter how hard. It's just discouraging. And you know what really ticks me off? I wrote this sermon last spring. I write my sermons six to eight months in advance. I like to slow cook them. I like to add things as the months go on. I, 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 it's a strange process, but it's my own and it works for me. So, but I wrote this months in advance last spring when things were good and I was balanced and I felt like I was in a good place. And God knew that I would be delivering this message now, right when I needed to hear it. And there is nothing more irritating than having to preach to yourself. Nothing more irritating than that. Don't clap. I'm not happy about this. But I've, I've been trying to wrestle it down. I've been trying to just like wrestle it down and wrestle it. Because here's why. When you let the calendar have its way with you, 
When you let the stress mount and, and, and get on top of you and start pummeling you, when you, when, when you allow the craziness of life to crescendo in such a way that you, have, you no longer have any peace, you become someone you don't want to be. I'm short with my family. I'm, I'm, I'm not the person I want to be. I'm not the man or pastor or husband or father or friend that I want to be. And I've been alive too long to have learned this lesson this many times and still be struggling with it. So it just occurs to me it's sort of a universal struggle. Maybe it's something we all deal with at this time. But guys, there are precious things at stake. Things we're going to miss if we don't figure this out. To illustrate that, we're going to take a look at what happened to Peter Pan on this front when life got a hold of him. We're going to lower the lights now and show you a video clip. Take a look. We'll be passing out Kleenex at the end of the service if anyone needs them. Um, if you have children, you have your sermon. You may go now. Or maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe you don't have kids, or maybe your kids are grown, or maybe you have a great relationship with your kids and you're handling all that right. Wherever you are, if you're not careful, you're going to miss beautiful things. Now, it has been, for myself, it has been a long time since I pulled the old Motorola StarTac, pull the antenna up out of the phone move. You know, anybody remember that? But perhaps all of us could take a page from Moira's book and chuck the phone out the window sometimes. Because it's not pouring life into you, it's probably just sucking the life out of you. Now, what I'd like you to ponder, if it doesn't have something to do with your kids, because that analogy is ready-made, what are you missing because of the stress in your life? What are you missing because of the busyness? What, 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 is, what is whipping right by you because you're not being careful? Because you've let the stress of the years pile up on top of you and that childlike faith, that simple, pure, uncomplicated faith that you once knew is now under mortal threat. What are you missing? You're missing, for starters, the peace that is your birthright as God's beloved son or daughter. You are missing altogether the peace that is your birthright. It's yours. God has given it to you. And I can speak from experience because I, I know whereof I speak on this. Sometimes I trade my peace for productivity. And I think that productivity is my highest good. And it isn't. I heard a, I heard a, uh, a pastor that I respect very, very much say once, the greatest gift a pastor can give his congregation is a non-anxious presence. And I'm working on it. But I have not been delivering that lately. Working on it but it hasn't come easy. And I think the same is true for you. Some of you, you crazy anal retentive types have had your Christmas shopping done for months. It's great. Good for you. 
I'm not very fond of you, but carry on. Others of us are still like, yeah, I got to pick something up. I got to do something. Look, if you would love a last minute Christmas gift to give to your spouse, a last minute Christmas gift to give to your kids, your family members, the people around you, the greatest gift you can give your loved ones this Christmas is a non-anxious presence. Buy that for everyone around you. But, but know this, it will cost you. It's priceless. But it's free. It's priceless in its value. But it's free for the taking. It's, it's right there. All we have to do is learn to slow down a bit. To go back to when things were simpler. To remember who we are. We're commanded in the scriptures to... To take a Sabbath, it's, I think it's the only one of the Ten Commandments that almost everybody violates constantly. We don't take the time that God calls us to, and I'm aware of work schedules and the craziness of life sometimes makes it difficult or impossible to take a 24-hour period and just, just sort of slow down a bit. So then your challenge is to find Sabbath where you can find it to ratchet down the crazy, to, to, to cause the proximity of that do list. Like you've got, you've got to find a machete and clear some space out of that jungle so you can find some margin and breathe deep and walk slowly. And yes, I am preaching that to myself more than anyone. Here are some verses for you from the Gospel of Luke. <laughs> As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, if you've come to our church for a while, you've heard me preach on these verses before because they are among my favorite because I often need them so much myself. Here, Jesus uh, arrives at the home of his friends, Mary and Martha. When Jesus was in their village, he stayed with them. Uh, their brother Lazarus, also a good friend of Jesus. So this is just a family that he knows, a place where he can kind of get away from the craziness and feel welcome and feel at home. And he is traveling with a group. I mean, he's got like, you know, the 12 with him and there's some other people kind of hangers on. There's probably a group of at least 20, and I mean, at least 20, who have descended upon Mary and Martha's home. And just because of how things work, they may not have been able to like call ahead and let them know exactly when they were arriving. So they kind of, their, their timing may have been, and the number of people may have been a bit of a surprise. So now Jesus is teaching. He's in the living room. He's found a place to sit. He's in the center of the home. Uh, the homes weren't laid out like our homes are, but there's a center, kind of central place where Jesus is kind of camped out and he's teaching and everyone in the house is gathered. And there's probably like people in the window like this. And there's some people in the doorway and everyone's kind of crowding into the room. And Mary, one of the two women who owns the home, is seated at Jesus' feet. 
She's just crisscross applesauce, like taking it in. Martha, her sister, is in the kitchen, like chopping onions and, and trying, to, trying to cook hors d'oeuvres and uh, cutting up cheese for crackers and making dinner and pouring the lemonade and making sure everybody has drinks. And she's just, she's crazy. She's just going nuts. And she's so, come on, see if you can relate to this. She so loses herself in her busyness that she apparently has no problem telling Jesus what to do. She goes to Jesus and says, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister is just sitting there watching me work? And then she goes, tell her to come and help me. She actually commands Jesus to command Mary. Tell her to come help me. Totally forgets herself here. And maybe you have too. I know I have made demands of God and gotten petulant and, and entitled. And my childlike faith devolved into childish. What's required of you is to slow down, to go back, to remember a simpler time. And if you've never known a simpler time and you've never had peace in your heart where you knew that you were God's beloved son or daughter, that he's absolutely crazy about you, December is a wonderful time to discover that for the first time. This is a wonderful time to discover that for the first time for yourself. But get this, as the years whip by you, as time propels you forward, Captain Hook fears that clock for good reason. Everybody dies. Not everybody really lives. And for me, a life slaving away to a do list or spent in the pursuit of my definition of productivity, it's not really a life. I don't become the man I want to be. I'm not well in touch with my heavenly father. I don't treat the people around me right. I'm not the person I want to be. And neither are you when you let that happen to you. This enemy is waiting for all of us at Christmas time. Go back, slow down, walk slowly, and find a little peace while it may still be found. All that crazy stuff that's driving you nuts, it'll still be there after the first of the year. Take a little time in these next couple weeks to cherish this season and return to childlike faith. We'll pick it up right from here next week for part three of Christmas with Captain Hook. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for being so good to us, and we thank you for this reminder, Father, that we all need so badly, this reminder that we all, we just all struggle with this, Father. We're, we're asking for your help. We have these enemies that are waiting for us this month, and we don't help ourselves. We don't fight for the peace that we need. So we're praying, Father, give us faith enough to believe that it's right there for us, that you've called us to live differently, to not allow the craziness and, and the, 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 the do lists and the schedule and the pace of this season define us. Quicken our hearts, Father, to find that childlike faith we once knew, to believe that we're yours and that you're ours and that in you our sins are forgiven. Because you're our heavenly father who loves us dearly. 
Father, if there's anyone here that has never known that, I pray they'll put their faith in you right this minute. And for the rest of us who have known and somehow forgotten, may we remember who we are this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.